0: To First Corinthians chapter three. We're gonna read from verses six through nine. First Corinthians chapter three. Verse six through nine. The New King James Version reads as follows. I planted, uh, Paul is teaching, and he he wrote this epistle. He said, I planted Apollos, one of his co-laborers, watered. Watered means that after he preached initially the gospel of Jesus Christ, Apollos remained there and continued to disciple those that were there and continued to share the word of the Lord. Um, So he planted, Paul did, then went his way. Another guy remained and continued watering the faith of those individuals. It says here, I planted, Paulus watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's field, you are God's building. Amen? Father we thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might see the very things that you're teaching us today. We give you the glory, and we thank you that you open up the eyes of our understanding. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. You may be seated in God's presence. Last week, I I uh, began a message, uh, and I titled it, We Were Created for Relationships. And in it, I said that relationships are connections. They're very strong connections. They could either be via blood. They could be via culture or a belief system. We're in relationship ourselves via our belief system. Or even a cause. Maybe there's something that necessitates us to come together in the short term to resolve a cause. That, that also happens constantly in our society. Relationships are powerful. Uh, in, in relationships, resources are shared. Last week, I was praying a couple of days uh, with Brother Lee. And he said something that really... Stuck in my spirit. He said, relationships have reserves. Relationships have reserves. When you are in relationship with people and suddenly you go through a time of need and you tap into the relationships, they will give you what you lack. For years, this church was involved in regional ministry. By that I meant we would do Uh, marches with other churches. We would march down Fifth Avenue. We would march down Madison Avenue. Thousands of us gathered together and prayed for the city. We had a lot of fun with that, but it was a lot of hard work. And uh, I was a part of the board, and I worked very hard. It wasn't a salary position. We invested a lot of time. We invested money. We invested resources. Um, And all these people would show up on that day, we'd had so much fun, the banners and the people praying, the music, it was wonderful. Then for years I also worked with the Promise Keepers Men's Ministries. Um, And two of the greatest events that I was a part of is when they filled up uh, Shea Stadium with men, 44.5 thousand men, and many of you were there that day. I was the event coordinator for that event. I worked together with 3,800 volunteers. 3,800 volunteers. We worked hard. We developed friendships. We developed relationships. And I got to know a lot of pastors. I got to know a lot of people. And uh, I remember that day, even the FAA that controls the skies, the routes of the airplanes, we petitioned them. And we said, could you please move your planes? from flying over Shea Stadium every two minutes just for this weekend. And do you know, we had so much power and influence and God's grace was upon us so much that Friday and Saturday, no plane passed over Shea Stadium. When our service finished at seven o'clock on Saturday, the minute it finished, the first plane started flying over Shea Stadium. So because of our influence, because of the amount of people we knew and the relationships we had, someone knew somebody in the FAA was able to reach out and so God's grace was all over that so for years we were involved but then something happened to us I believe it was late 19 the the, the late 2004 um, we had a fire in our church decimated the place Uh, we were meeting in Harlem at that time 116th Street between 7th and 8th where we were for 14 years and I remember standing there and the buildings burning and I honestly didn't know what was the next thing I was going to do where are we going to fellowship on Sunday what about every, every bit of time that we invested in this community everything is lost so for a moment I'm almost like in shock I'm, I'm in limbo and then suddenly I hear a little voice in my ear pastor if you need anything we're here so I turned around it was an elder of another church that I had entered into relationship with in the midst of all these regional events and, he, and I looked at him and said, thank you, brother. So I hugged him. I didn't, and I didn't think much of it, but I just appreciated he was there. Then another person came and told me, if you need our church, we're there. Then I got a call. I said, listen, we're seeing this on TV. Is there anything we can do? And then somebody else is calling me while I'm on the call. So hold on. a second. boom, we just saw, can, is there anything we can do? And this just went on for days, people reaching out to us. And it culminated with a service that they did for us without us asking in December of the year 2004. Needless to say, a whole bunch of churches got together, uh, including uh, Bishop Matera of Resurrection Church, uh, Dr. Padilla, my my spiritual dad, uh, in Bayridge Christian Center, Dr. David Ireland uh, in Jersey, uh, Dr. A.R. Bernard uh, from Christian Cultural Center, and literally, I would have to say, over a hundred other pastors. They showed up that day just to minister to us. And I was blown away because I had never seen that level of response before in the body of Christ, as at least to us. We did for others, but we had never seen that, that, that doting, the word you used, the doting on us. It was just the, 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 the love that was poured upon us. And then they raised up an offering. You know how much they raised up? And you, if you know already, don't say it. It's unfair. Last last week, Crystal. I know, I know. you know just blurted it out. And then, so it wasn't 10,000 dollars. it wasn't 20, it wasn't 50, it wasn't 70, it wasn't 90, it was 100,000 dollars that they raised for us. And we absolutely needed that because what happened was we lost our place. So we had to move to the Bronx, and we lost half to three-quarters of the congregation because most didn't want to come to the Bronx. They they were really knit in the Harlem area, and I fully understand that. But we couldn't afford Harlem, it was too expensive. And the place burned down, so we were g- grandfathered in into a specific price that we had for many years, but it was gone. But because of that act of love, based on relationships, that carried us during our lean season. So in essence, we kept on going. We kept on going. And we kept on rebuilding, and today, Years later, we are now strong, we're helping other churches. Just the, the other, I think it was two years ago, another church burned down not too far from here. And I just felt such a pain for them because I understand. And he's my friend, and I saw it on TV. So I called him, I said, what can we do? So we went, we gave him an offering and another offering. And, you know, that man was so touched. But I understand where he was because I was there. But because of relationships, say with me Relationship. We have reserves. You have more than what you realize. It's not about being famous. It's not about having a lot of money. It's about having a lot of relationships. And sowing as much as you can into those relationships. And you'd be surprised how really wealthy you are. A man and a woman that has relationships is rich indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So... In 1 Corinthians 3, it shows the relationship process because it's not all you. You're not the one that's doing all the work here. There are others that are working too. There are others that are praying also. There are others that are pouring in. You you had um, uh, the Apostle Paul that came into a town and he'd do his work, he'd sacrifice. But then there was a team that would come in and stay and remain when Paul went to the other place. So Paul was giving a revelation to the people of God. He was saying, don't think you're all big and bad because you did something. Because there's a lot of people working here. One prophet in the Old Testament complained to God. He says, I'm the only prophet left, God. I'm the only one. And God said, excuse me, I have 5,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. (laughs) God knows who he has. And we are insular we, sometimes we're like this, and we don't see that there are others that are loving just like us, that are working just like us, and we, we get into a place where we think we're the only ones. No, there are others that are working together with us. And it says here, not only are there others that are working, but we are one. So say to your neighbor, we're really one. God doesn't want you to disappear. He wants you uniqueness. See, your uniqueness is your strength in the body of Christ. Say to your neighbor, your uniqueness is your strength. And, you know, I, I, it hurts me because I've been there also when you fail to realize how wealthy you really are. Right. It hurts me because I was there for you to realize how unique and special and needed in this world you are. Yes. Your soul have been bitten by this consumerism thing or by this TV thing that we lift up people who are really messed up. But just because they have a good voice and somebody marketed them very well, we think we want to be just like them. Uh, You know, if you really knew them, you wouldn't really want to be like them. Yeah, but I certainly would like their money. You know, it's not all about that. Yeah, but it pays bills. Yeah, but... You're so unique and God gifted you with such uniqueness that if you were to realize how special and unique you are, you can market your own gifting and you can make yourself not a fortune, but a legacy. Amen. 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 I got two people that gave me an amen. The little one right over there and you right here. We're all special. And the thing is, we're always focusing on our weaknesses so we never get to see how special we really are. God made us special. Now I got three amens. I'm working upward now. Amen. If I get a fourth amen, I'm on fire. But it's true. For years, I would say, I'm just this, I'm just this, I'm just this. What do you mean just this? God made me special. And then He made me relational. See, here's the point. The point is, if I don't activate my uniqueness for somebody else, my power will never come forth. Yeah, that is kind of a ooh, isn't it? Let me, let me rewind that a moment. Your gifting cannot be seen. It cannot come forth. It cannot multiply until you decide to activate it. And it can't be activated while you stand by wanting to be him or her or jealous because they're doing this and that and you're not, and they got a title and you don't. Forget about that. It's not about title. It's about you activating your gifting. When you activate your gifting, you will find that titles will come. Actually, for those of you that fully commit your gifting to to the world, fully commit your gifting to a local church, to your community, you will find that people come to your door asking for you to work for them. Because too many people are just, I'm not going to do nothing. I'm not going to do nothing. I'm not going to do nothing. And your job is the same way. We only do just enough to get by. But God is, he has anointed you with an awesome combination of gift sets that if you were to release them, suddenly you realize all it was is like turning on the faucet in the kitchen. Now you—you you people, you people, I take that back. Many people don't stop to think how awesome it is. That when you turn on your faucet, there's running water. That is an awesome, incredible feat of engineering. Yes. We just turn on, and, and if it's warm, how? Man, it's water. It takes so long to get. Uh, you do not know that most of the world doesn't have that. Yes. 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 This is a complicated system. But yet, the benefit we have is when we're thirsty, we go like that and we get water. You know you're like that? You are, as it were, a spiritual faucet with a divine unction and anointing that when you release your gift, the, 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 the Spirit of God touches that and people are changed. People are touched. People come into divine order because of the anointing that wells out of you if you were to open up the faucet. But most of us won't open up the faucet because point number one, we're selfish. That's kind of unique that i got to praise God after out of that one. Yeah. I thought I was going, mmm, out of that one. But brother, you you, you got a revelation. No, th- no, seriously. Most of the time we're selfish. I don't want to give water right now. I'm not in the mood. Wow. Especially for that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and they say, you see it all in their face, you know. Can you pray for that person? <laughs> no. <laughs> but Yeah. The Spirit of God is waiting for you to turn on your faucet. And by revelation and by relationship. And relationship is important because that means you've got to get active in somebody else's life. In doing something for somebody else beyond your sphere of individuality. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And those that catch that realize, oh my God, the more I serve, the more flows out of me. The more I bless others, the more flows out of me. The more wisdom I give, the more wisdom comes to me. Yeah, because you are always that way. You're a spiritual being, and spiritual beings have no limit. I I, I caught a vein there. I caught a vein there. No, I'm serious, I caught a vein there. Spiritual beings have no limit. Okay, I, I, I want to play with that a bit, because yes, I'm, yes. I'm really, uh, yes. I, I was going to say, I wanna, I'm really sensing the presence of God on that. In other words, when I catch a confirmation that, that the Spirit of God is giving us a truth, I feel it all over me. That, that's right. the way God uses me. I just caught something. Uh, God just drops something in my spirit for you. See, I'm a conduit. Yes. There is no limit. I put things on paper just as a starter but the spirit of God sometimes just takes over from there and the more I give you the more I get the more I give you the more I get it's the same with you there is no limit your spirit man has no limit it's like the internet you know when when I have my computer without connection I can only access what I have in the hard drive wow I want to run I want to run right now I'm getting excited, hallelujah, hallelujah, you heard that Julio, there is no limit, because you're a spirit man, see when the anointing flows through you, you're no longer that limited little person, you're a powerful spiritual being, you're a child of God, you're a child of the King. You're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador for Christ. You are a a man of God, a woman of God. Just read the Bible in the Old and New Testaments. Men and women of God did impossible things. Why? Because disconnected from the power that would just average mortal people. But connected, they spoke to mountains, and mountains were moved out of the way. They spoke to seas, and the seas split apart. They spoke to dead bones, and dead bones came alive. They spoke to the mute, and the mute heard all over again. They spoke to the cripple, and the cripple walked. They spoke to the blind, and the blind would see. They spoke to the leper, and the leper was healed. And that same power is here today, and it's waiting to flow through you and through me. Come on, praise Him. Hallelujah. Ooh-wee. It's not about my last name. It's not about my title. It's about allowing the anointing. Turn the faucet on. And by relationship, activate the love of God. Amen. If you're a good teacher, teach. If you're a good preacher, preach. If you got an opportunity lay hands on somebody, pray for them. Because the anointing is what does the work. Amen. It's not you. It's not him. It's God who gives the increase. Amen. Hallelujah amen and that never went away it's us that got cold you go to many churches today they're dead nothing's happening and yes now we'll sing page 353 i'm not criticizing that i'm just saying they just there's no life in the churches man life should overabound in churches Churches should be the most joyous places because the Spirit of God is there waiting to heal, to set free, to to connect you with Almighty God. My computer disconnected? I can only access the hard drive. But here's the next point. The minute I connect it to the internet, suddenly I have no limit. I'm powerful. If I want to know something, I can Google it. If I need something, I can download it. I want to read a book, I can just, you know, ask for It's down there. If I want to go shopping, I can go to Amazon.com. Want a delivery from my pizza shop two to, to, uh, blocks away, I just go right to the pizza.com thing. And I get a pizza in half hour or less. For ten ninety nine. Why? Because I'm connected to something much larger than I am. And here's what happens when you catch this. And that's, this is why we're just walking around. Oh, how, how's everything? Same old, same old. Because you don't realize you're connected to something much larger than you are. Amen. You're connected Amen. to an eternal thing. Past, present, and future. Amen. God does not flow in time. He flows out of time. He's here. He's in the future. He's all at the same time. Yes. But you're connected to Almighty God. Amen. And when you're connected to Him and you're praying and you're getting the wisdom of God flowing. Suddenly He start giving you wisdom for today. He'll start giving you wisdom for yesterday. You need wisdom for yesterday. You know why? You need to realize, okay, I made that mistake, but here's the reason why you made that mistake. Now, that's going to be for your resource. Because now you won't ever do it that way again. And then God reveals to who you are now versus who you were before. So if anybody comes back with the past, you'll be able to shut them down. No, no, you you don't understand. That's not me anymore. I'm a brand new person. now. I'm a new creation in Christ. And then God starts dealing with your future. He says, start setting yourself up now because your future looks this way. Hallelujah. I've said this often, but for those of you that weren't there when I shared this, you need to learn that you're an eternal being practicing, not practicing, but you're living a temporary journey here on earth. So we need to understand the future. We need to know where we're going. And that's why goals are very important. When you know where you're going, you can set the proper goals. If you don't know where you're going, you'll just be paralyzed. And all that you'll do is watch TV all day, and you, you won't do anything for your future. But if you know you're going to be, for example, a doctor, what do you need to be doing? Studying. Studying, go to school. What type of school? You know exactly what type of school, who you need to hang out with. You, you need to know what you're researching, right? See, but as men and women of God... Part of our job is to leave a legacy. It's not just to get together on a Sunday. We're, our actions today are impacting our children and our grandchildren. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Amen. You see, so when you understand the future, you can actually get out of your present, walk over to your future, put on your future, enjoy your future, sit there and bask in it, and go right back to your present and say, okay, let's begin it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. That's how God works. God speaks things that are not as though they were. Yes, The one that explained it the best, and I'll just briefly share it again today, for those of you that didn't hear it, was Dr. Miles Monroe. I like the way he shared it. He, he said it this way. He said, God made man in His image. We know that, the book of Genesis. And then He put in His son, His daughters, His grandsons, granddaughters, the next generation, the next generation. He put in their bridges. He put in their art. He put in their, all the buildings you see today. He put all of that stuff in there. He put our children in there, our grandchildren in there. Say to your neighbor, he put it, the children, your children in Adam. See, all, all, all your children and those that are on their way, they were in Adam first. He put all of that in there. He put our grandchildren. He put, put the next generation, 20 generations. If we, if we go with Jesus and another 20 generations happen or 30 generations, that was an Adam too. Everything you see was an Adam. And then when he finished, when God finished, he closed Adam up, breathed on him. He said, okay, Adam, now you can begin the work that I already finished. it's already a finished work so God knows the future so when he starts out of relationship you start seeing he starts giving you a glimpse of your future of the greatness of what he wants to do in and through you he desires to do awesome work through you you go in and you can step into your future momentarily and say whoa whoa, whoa. I like this I like who I am becoming here and then you could go back and then begin the process that God already finished I enjoyed a moment, a glimpse of my future when I was, I think, 15 years old. I was in my wife's house, we were just friends at the time, and she had invited me to a church, and so her mother told me, she says, amijito, uh, uh, ¿quieres bustelo? And oh man, she brought, that's it, I was done. I went to her house, I was done, bustelo, some nice warm bread, a little butter, I was done. And in the midst of it, she turns around and she says, the Lord says you're going to be a pastor. I go, say what? (laughs) What's that? (laughs) I had no idea what a pastor was. I was not a practicing Christian. I didn't go to church. My parents never taught me about this. I knew nothing about what it was to be a pastor. I didn't know what a pastor was. I only knew that in the Catholic church, there was a man on the cross and he seemed sad. And of course, when you go to the Catholic Church, you must honor the church. You must get some water, dip it, and do this. For those of you that have had that experience. I knew that much. That's it. That's all I knew. And she told me I was going to be a pastor. Go down another 20 years. I'm pastoring. She's part of the congregation. I was her pastor. Before she went on to be with the Lord. That was awesome. But another thing marked me. And... Years later, after I became a minister, minister, my dad came to me, and my dad says, "You know, son, I didn't—I never told you this, but I want to tell you this now. My grandmother—he's talking to me. His grandmother, my great-grandmother. His grandmother, she used to smoke tobacco. Uh, if you mess with her, she'll chop you up with a machete. I mean, she was a nasty woman, mean. I'm talking about curmudgeon. She was mean. One of these—I mean, these ladies—you don't know, mess with them." She got sick, a curmudgeon, a cranky old person, curmudgeon. Oh yeah, yeah, you got, every once in a while I'll give you one of these Sunday words. (laughs) Curmudgeon. So, so she gets very sick and they, they're operating on her and she dies right on the operating table and they work on her and they get her back. After the operation, she says she was in heaven and the Lord spoke to her. Spoke to her about a couple of things and said, your time is not up yet. You need to serve the community. You need to do this and this and that. She stopped smoking cigars. She stopped chopping, you know, fighting people. <laughs> chopping people. Yeah, because that's what they did those days. What? What? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you know. So, you know, she started serving the Lord. And she really became a, a, a wonderful woman of God. And she was very recognized in her community pray for people, get them healed. I mean, just she was really on fire for God. And two months before she passes on to be with the Lord, she takes my dad and says, I have something to tell you. The Lord tells me, you're going to have a son and he's going to be a minister. He didn't have a son yet. So years later, he sees a son become a minister. So he goes, he remembered that which his grandmother told him So many years ago. That floored me. It blew me away. But again, you see, God has plans for us. And we need to understand that. His desire is to bless you. His desire is to place you in places of influence. Not just to make you famous. He wants to put you in a place of legacy building. Where you would really indeed touch people. And impact them for eternity. Today I'm living out. A word that had been prophesied to my dad before I was ever born. Amen. Could it be, could it be that the same thing is in your future? Could it be that God already has something for you? That He already has resources, relationships for you? Could it be if you would just start to begin to trust Him right where you're at and to start to allow the anointing? Well, I'm not a preacher like you are. Yeah, but you know, you know the verse, God loves you, right? For so God loved the world. that He, You know, you know these verses, simple things. Share your testimony with someone. The minute you start turning on your anointing at the level you're at, that's the minute it starts flowing through you. That's the minute you get uh, taken out of local and now you go into the eternal. And the anointing wants to flow through you. There is such a need. And the reason why the anointing has to flow is because somebody's dying out there. Somebody's sick out there. Somebody's in prison out there. Somebody needs a touch of God. And the way God touches this earth realm is through men. Why? Because in the beginning He said, Man, I make you in charge of this earth realm. So whenever God is going to move, God raises up a man or a woman that He can trust. And he allows his anointing to flow through them. Hallelujah. 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 God could do it himself. But he determined that he would work through mankind. He determined. Not even the angels have the privilege of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts chapter 10, the angel comes to Cornelius. It says, Cornelius, there's a word you need to hear. So go to Simon the Tanner's house. He gave him instructions as to how to get to a place so that that man, Peter, could preach the gospel because the angel didn't have the privilege of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That privilege is given to man. That privilege is given to you. That privilege is given to me. Hallelujah. So it is time to start allowing that faucet, that anointing, that grace, that favor that's all over you to start flowing. Hallelujah. And I find that many times the enemy knows the anointing that's on you because it's like a mark. It's a mark. We don't know how they can read it. We just know they can. It's happened to me where I've gone to places and, and people that are sensitive that way have been able to say, I see an aura all around you. Uh, yes, yeah, it's called the anointing of God. I know, it's right. the Holy Spirit. I know, I know what it is. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I don't need you to, don't, don't read me. You don't have to read me. I know, what I am in relationship with Almighty God. The Spirit of God dwells in me. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Others have caught it and they see it. It's an anointing. It's a mark. You know, the enemy, has he marks his people, but God also marks his people. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit seals us for the day of redemption. In the Old Testament, when when, uh, the devil went up to heaven, because he also has to report, by the way. God said, uh, you recognize Job? You see Job? He's my man. Oh yeah, God boasted on Job. Well, said, of course. Yeah, I look at him and you have a protection all over him. I can't touch him. Hello? The enemy revealed there that even even though the enemy wants to get at you, there's only so much he can do. Because there's a divine protection on you. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's how I'm every day I thank God. Lord, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your favor. I thank you that your angels encamp around about us. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. The other day we had a, a, a minister come a prophetess. She came in. She said, oh my God, this place is filled with angels. Yes. I said, I know it. I don't actually see it, but I know it's there. I know they are there. I've been delivered from so many crazy things. You, I, I, I need another service. I'm coming, coming to a close here. I need another service just to share you some of the testimonies um, to, as to how people were ready to kill me and suddenly, whoop, they just flipped. They flipped and they stopped. Oh, oh we're not going to touch you. Over and over again. It's the anointing. It's God's grace. It's not that I'm big and bad, but I'm connected to one who's big and bad. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And God's people need to really up the ante today. You need to start allowing that anointing to flow because somebody's waiting for you. Somebody's standing by waiting for you. And another thing, when you start releasing your anointing, you also start releasing angels to get into assignment. We don't command the angels... But the angels activate when we start activating our anointing because there's things that need to come into place and they are, the Bible says, they are helpers to the heirs of salvation. They help us. They aid us in that. So I don't need to know how God sends them out. I just need to know that they do get active. I just need to know that when I start my stuff, things in the heavenly start activating and other people are going to get their blessing because I have decided to become obedient Stop and stop being selfish. Glory to God. Hallelujah, come on, give him some praise. Woo-wee, my God, my God so in, in the coming days yeah it's important we be here Wednesday for prayer but you don't understand why it's when you stand in the place of prayer you're standing in a place of intercession for somebody else somebody else won't go to hell because you prayed somebody else will be healed because you prayed somebody else will get into divine alignment because you prayed Some, a, a marriage will be saved because you prayed a boy won't die because you prayed a young lady might not make a mistake because you prayed hallelujah the Bible says that God looks for a man to intercede and to stand in the gap. A man, mankind, he looks for somebody to stand in the gap so that he doesn't have to allow that destruction to take place. Amen. Well, if God was God, love, why would he destroy? No, no, we're doing the destroying. Right. Have you seen the news? Right, yeah. It wasn't God that pulled the trigger. It was a young man that went bonkers, that, that listened to the wrong things, right. uh, just lost it. We need to intercede. Years ago, something like that happened in Columbine. Remember Columbine? Well, God raised up some prophets and some people to intercede for that. Uh, God uh, spoke to Cindy Jacobs and she spoke to the people of Colorado. Please pray because something is going to come to Colorado. And the Lord's saying that that the children are going to pay if there's no intercession because some evil is on its way to Colorado. And so she went from city to city and nobody was listening to her. But one city decided to listen to her and they started praying and they started interceding. And they started crying out to God. Then suddenly the evil came. It hit this town. It hit that town. It hit Columbine. It skipped the town that was praying and then hit the other land. This is a registered documented fact. A couple of years ago, um, here in the Bronx, um, a whole group of people uh, with Minister Pura started praying and interceding. God, stop the murders, stop the murders. And I remember I was in one of those prayer meetings in in the Bronx, lower Bronx. And for that time, while they were doing this prayer, stop the murders, Lord, stop the murders. For two or three days, there were absolutely no murders in the Bronx. And Bloomberg took the credit. Oh yeah, we're so happy, our period. Excuse me, there was some intercession in that place. When we stand in the gap and when we pray and we make our declarations, we we plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over our children, over our community, over our families. Things happen. It moves supernatural forces into place. When God moves, He moves through His people. That's why it's important for us to engage in doing the will of the Lord in this day. Because that's what activates the supernatural That's why there are pockets of places that are receiving healings and miracles and signs and wonders and others are receiving nothing because it has to do with the intercessors. It has to do with those that are standing in the gap. It has to do with those that would get out of their selfishness and come into that place of serving God and His people and understanding who they are in Christ and not allowing circumstances or situations to bring them down. I've got to pray. Well, I lost my job. I still have to pray. I know God will meet all my need according to his riches and glory I know this is a temporary situation I know listen they lost the best thing because they lost me but I'm going to go into another place and God's going to open up another door I'm not worried because they're not my provider he's my provider hallelujah but I'm going to continue interceding well somebody came and screamed at me and lost their temper I'm still going to pray because this is life and death this is future this is eternity hallelujah somebody prayed me into the kingdom amen amen I'll tell you one more and and, and I'm over. Years ago, when I was a child, and some of you have heard this, but some haven't. When I was a child, I was about, I don't know, 12 years old, my dad sent me to something called a Fresh Air Fund. And for two weeks I went to an Amish family in Pennsylvania, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I had a wonderful two weeks. I, I remember it for the rest of my life. I wasn't too happy as a child, you know. It was very difficult where I was raised up, very difficult, Uh, very, very difficult. I had a lot of pain from my childhood. I'm healed now, but I can still remember that child. And and a lot of things happened, very difficult time. But I was happy those two weeks. And I came back, and then they called me back for another two weeks in Christmas. And I went, there were six children over there, and there were cows and trains and and pigs. and, And it was just such a different life. And I mean, I'm a child, I don't, know. I, I don't know any of that, but six children, we had so much fun there. Okay, I grew up, now I'm in my mid-30s. I'm with my wife and children, and we're in Lancaster. Uh, yeah, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And suddenly, it hit me. I said, you know, I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to call Carl and Margaret Fultz. I even remember their name. How many of you, you know, or, or how many of you are like me, it's hard to remember a name? They tell your name, and like one minute later, you don't remember. I say, what in the world was the name? It's just, if I don't really focus on it, write it down, and write it like on my forehead, it's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, I hate that, but I have to practice it more than others. And I get upset at my wife, just, the name is so-and-so. Say, All right, okay. What's the number? The number is uh, 212. She's just like a machine, you know, and then she does it with a smile. <laughs> so I'm there, and I remember the name, Carl and Margaret Foltz. So I picked up the phone hi, can I uh, get the phone number to Carla Margaret Foltz? Okay, checking. The number is such and such and such. I went, okay, this is getting weird now. So I took the number down and I called. Hi, is this, uh, I heard a female voice. Hi, is this Margaret Foltz? She says, yes, uh, is this you, Victor? <laughs> happened. It happened to me. This, I'm in my mid-30s. She hasn't seen me since I'm 12 and she recognized me. I went, yes. She <laughs> says, yes, we're in Lancaster. I'm here with my wife and my children. I wanted to come and say thank you. She says, absolutely, come on over. And by the time I got there, some of the children were there. I, I got to the house. When I was a child, the house was really big. But now it's like really small. And I remember the yard being huge. Now it wasn't that large. But I remember going into it. And then my, my wife and kids are looking at me and saying, that's weird right now. Because I was. I was like a little kid all over. I was saying. Like, Wow, hi. I, I couldn't believe that this was happening. So I remember the stairways, a couple of the kids came, we said hello, I, I, I shared with them my life, what I'm doing. Says, and I'm a minister now. She says, that's great because we were praying for you all these years. They were praying for me. I found out that they did that as a ministry. They would bring kids from the city to their home and while the kids were there and having a great time, they were praying for them. That was their ministry. So don't think you're big and bad and did it all on your own. There are people that pray you into the kingdom. That's right. That's there right. are people that minister That's to you. They so share the word of the Lord and are patient when sometimes we're knuckleheads. Come with me to church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes it takes a while for us to get there. But some people loved you in the kingdom. Guess what? Now it's your turn to love somebody into the kingdom. Hallelujah. Come on. Can you praise him this afternoon? Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Somebody loved you into the kingdom. We we have to be grateful. I went back and I thanked them. And I know that it blessed her. Her daughter came to me and and told me. I played tag with her when she was a kid. And now she's a grown up woman. Has her own children. She says, you know, what you're doing here is a really good thing. Because dad and mom did this for a lot of children. So for you to come back and to say thank you. That was special. Wow. I never even thought it that way. I was just feeling grateful. So I just wanted to thank her. I didn't realize how much of a blessing that would be to her just to hear it and just to have one of those kids that she prayed for come back and say, your prayers worked. I could have died, but I didn't. Many times I could have died in the city. The city could have eaten me up and spit out the bones, so to speak. But I lived to give glory to God. I lived to... Testify of his goodness. Somebody loved me. Somebody that created a relationship with me at the time that I needed was there for me. Even though I might not have deserved it, even, even though I might have had a bad attitude, even though somebody might have written me off, somebody loved me enough to reach out to me.